hello. Hey, Beth, can you hear me? Yes. I am recording this. Okay. All right, cool. So the episode that we're going to drop tonight is the Black Girl episode. Okay. I what just number fin- is this? This is the Google voicemail number that I use to record. Oh, I had no idea who you were for a second. And like <laughs> when you said I'm recording this and I agreed, I was like, also, who am I agreeing to recording? Uh, wow. I'm surprised that you agreed so quickly. I'm shocked that I agreed too. But when it was the fact that you called me Beth, that uh-huh. I was like, okay, this is somebody who knows me. Oh man. I, missed but, like, I, I should have been like Bethany Stewart. Bethany Stewart, I would have been like, who is this? And like, uh-huh. why are you recording? But the fact that you said Beth, I was like, all right, I know this person. So yes, you can record it. But what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? Um, yeah, so I just finished editing the episode and it's, I like it a lot. It's really, it's really honest. I'm it surprised really that, honest to the point that it made me uncomfortable. I know that's, and that's so great. Um, is that what you were going for when you had this idea? I don't think I expected it to be that honest. No, Uh I should have expected that from Devon and Rachel, but I think because, yeah, I, it got really raw. Like at one point I say like, oh God, I hope people don't email me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it gets so raw and honest about like bodies and sex and being black and being black women. And I was just, it's amazing that you, we were able, you were able to have a conversation like that. So I hope that people are into it. I hope people are into it too. And I hope that like, I, I think I wonder, Devon said this on Friday after the event that we had, but like, I think I wonder what will white people do with that much intimacy with our experiences as black women? Uh-huh. Like, will it just be entertainment and you, and you move on? Or will you actually receive it as the gift that it is? Right. Yeah. So I hope that people do receive it like the gift that it is. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well... Cool. Any, anything else you want to say about it before I drop it? Nope, I think that's it. All right, sweet. I'll I'll pop this in then. Thanks for talking. Perfect. Thanks, Andrew. All right, bye. Bye. The spirit of incarceration dwells here. And then we're moving by the pack, so we're moving them. And even if you don't, then you do because you're cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Let's get it. Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy too. But in this week's episode, we're giving you guys a special, um, beautiful black girl magic episode of Color Correction. So this week, we'll be talking about how we experience black womanhood as young black women, you know? Um, so I have two of my dear friends on the podcast with me today, Devon and Rachel, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you all. Um, yeah, Rachel, do you want to go? Sure. Um, a black queer woman using uh, she, her pronouns. I'm 31, not married but um, partnered, and what do I look like? Um, 
average height, thin. Um, uh, I would consider myself to be uh, attractive from a sociocultural perspective. I mean, I think I'm fine, but you also are. from a from <laughs> from from a like worldly perspective, um, I'm. I know that I'm perceived as like a form of like ideal, I guess, um, if that makes sense. Perfect. And to add, the reason why we're describing what we look like um, is because the way we experience our black womanhood um, is based a lot on how people perceive us based on what we look like. Um, So I think it's important for us to describe ourselves um, to our listeners. So that's why Rachel is describing herself. Devon, do you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Devon. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a Black woman who walks the queerness line uh, gingerly. Um, I would say that I'm probably romantically attracted to just about anybody um, if you aren't bogus. <laughs> um I am a fat girl and I wear that with pride even as I am losing weight and I've lost 100 pounds. Um, I'm dark skinned. Um, I would say my skin is the color of mahogany. I um, have read to neutral undertones <laughs> for those of you out there who like makeup. Um, uh, you know, my highlight shade in Fenty is 445. I I just, <laughs> I have dimples. Uh, my eyes disappear when I smile. Um, I'm a Christian. I am, I mean, I think objectively, if you like fat girls, you would probably like me. That's I'm a such cute- an interesting way to describe yourself. Well, and part of the reason why I do is because I think there are a lot of people who will say that you have a really pretty face, but if you lost weight, I would I would be more attracted to you or I would be attracted to you. So I think um, personality and, and cute face combined is often not enough to um, lift people out of the morass of um, a basic sexual attraction. I can't help the fact that I'm fine as fuck um, and, and also fat, really. Um, I am losing weight. Like I'm never gonna be skinny. I'm always gonna be thicker in a snicker. I'm I'm really thinking in a, a bowl of grits uh, in Alaska in December. So that's that's really what it is. But um, I, I recognize that it, people who like fat girls typically like me. People who don't like fat girls think I'm cute, but they be like you fat, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with. My fatness, I, I, I think I'm, like, like Rachel was saying, I think I'm fine. Like, I think I look really good. I think I have a nice body. Um, I look at myself when I'm naked um, or fully clothed, and I think, woo, chile. Um, But, yeah, that's probably more than your listeners <laughs> need to know. Well, unless I'm, you're trying to highlight your girl, then <laughs> let me know. Okay. Yeah. Um, the two of us are single on this yeah. podcast. Single so. and ready to mangle. Right. Um, so I'll make it quick because most of our listeners probably know what I look like. I am, um, a black woman. I identify as straight. Um, I am 30 and one month year old. (laughs) (laughs) 
I am single. I have been out of a relationship for about a year now. I was in a relationship for three and a half years. And I, it's hard for me to describe myself because as I've said to listeners in the past, I struggle with an eating disorder and body dysmorphia. So I don't really ever know what I look like. Um, So I'm a little bit taller than average. I'm about five foot seven. I'm a very dark skinned black woman. Um, I like to think of myself as extra crispy recipe or uh, Hershey's special dark. Um, I am conventionally beautiful. I wear uh, a lot of makeup um, and I usually wear my hair in straight styles. And I am a plus size woman, um, size 12 or 14 on a good day. So let's talk more about our bodies because it was hard for me to think of how I would describe my body. And I just like rushed through that really quickly. But Devon, you were very open about being a a fat woman, identifying as a fat woman. Um, Rachel, you very quickly described yourself as a thin woman. Um, So I guess the question that I'm wondering is, how do we experience the world in these bodies that we've been assigned, right? And how does the world interact with us and our bodies as Black women? Does that question make sense? It makes perfect sense. How do you feel like the world perceives you as a Black woman in the body that you've been given? I think that people see me, I have I have dreadlocks that I would describe are medium to long length. They, they go past my bra strap. My goal is for them to be long enough that I can be naked and they cover my nipples. But the only problem with that is that as I get older and my hair keeps growing, my breasts seem to keep going closer to the ground. So I don't know if my hair will ever be that long. But uh, yeah, I look at my body as... Um, as beautiful, but I think that the average American, if asked on, you know, on camera or, you know, a microphone in front of their face would not say that my body is aesthetically beautiful. Um, I, I There's an artist whose last name is Ruben. And so there are women who are described, women who are shaped like me are described as Rubenesque because of the type of sculptor that Ruben was. Um, I think when people interact with Rubenesque women, especially dark skinned, they see us as the mammy character, Mm -hmm. um, either asexual, like which is typical to me, or hypersexual, which is also something that I've experienced. Also, because I have a larger body, I was perceived as being older than I was from a young age. I had breasts um, that were developed from a young age. And so I had older men, um, black, white, or Latinx, Um, interact with me and think of me as being a grown woman when I was 12. Um, I've had men look at my genitalia um, as a young woman and think, oh, well, she must be experienced because of the color of my genitals. Um, Because there's, I'm I'm already dark skinned and my genitalia is is much darker um, even than my dark skin. And so um, I've always- Why would the color of your- because, Because men are stupid. That is why, because men are dumb. Men will think that the shape of your genitalia, that the color of your genitalia determines how much experience you have sexually, which makes absolutely no sense. Also, like, yeah, I, I we could talk about that 
in a sense. But as as far as your question of like how I the world interacts with me and how I interact with the world, I'm often thought of as older than I am. Um, I'm often thought of as um, weird, simultaneously nicer and meaner than I actually am. People think of me as this like jolly character, like, oh, she's fat and squishy and so much fun. Um, but when I respond to the world with normal emotions that are always heightened, people think of me as being angrier than I feel than I am. Um, and like I said, hypersexualized or either asexualized. Um, there's all this talk about, you know, fat girls, you know, give good head. I don't know if you can say that on this podcast. Just bleep it out if you can. Um, but that's like a thing that, that fat girls are, are very sexual, um, that fat girls got that WAP, all of that. Um, so people approach me sexually without wanting to create actual community or a relationship with me, which mm-hmm. is which has been really difficult and has um, made it so that it's, it's hard for me to... Um, connect with people because especially people um, of the opposite sex, so especially with men or those who are masculine presenting, because it always feels like there's a sexual component to our interaction as opposed to just viewing me as a whole person. So I feel like my humanity is often discounted in favor of my sexuality um, because of my big black body. In the non-sexual space, I think people think I'm stupid. Um, they don't think I'm as smart as I actually am. They don't recognize that I have a whole law degree, a whole master's degree. Um, and so people discount my intelligence um, more often than I care to admit. So that's wow. how, I, how I kind of interact, how the, how the world interacts with me. I push back on those things, um, but, but that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Rachel, how about you? Um, as I uh, briefly mentioned before, like I'm, kind of unsure how to answer it, but I'll give it my best go. Um, at this point in my life, um, I feel more, I feel more comfortable as more of a, like, small tomboy. <laughs> um, and and that's, I guess, says a little bit more about my, like, gender expression. Um, but has, as the world sees me, um, from from what I've experienced, it's more of this like tiny, weak, um, feminine person who needs help, mm-hmm. particularly you know from a very um, misogynistic and heteronormative world. Men mm-hmm. need to help me. Um, people need to help me, but particularly men, um, and um, and also. Um, because I um, am thin with a big butt, um, then, you know, I'm just, my butt is available for anyone and everyone to grab as I walk, to call, give me names based on it. Mm. Um, yeah. And and so being tiny, slim, all of that stuff, um, not, I've gotten used to not taking up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Um, making myself smaller, uh, I've internalized that, and I, I try to fight back on that, push back on that, and, and intentionally take up space. Mm-hmm. Um, and and from an earlier age, it was something that um, I didn't want to be feminine. Like feminine femininity was weak, even though all of the women in my life like 
friends to family members, new and old, are like phenomenal, strong, sexy women. And I'm just like, they can do that, but I can't <laughs> do that. I can't be that way. I have to be like masculine or something. Um, and so earlier on, I internalized more of that like misogynistic, particularly like being attracted to women um, that internalized like, ooh, yeah, like her, her ass is is fat and like that's for me or something objectifying women mm-hmm. um and which is crazy because that like objectifying women in the way that i was objectified um or am objectified mm-hmm. um is so so twisted but that's just like internalized white supremacy right like we experience that from white people but then also execute it against each other because it is so It is so our norm and so considered to be our norm. Something that I hear that's consistent from both of you all is this expectation of you based on your bodies and like expecting things from you or interactions from you based on the way you look and the way people perceive um, your bodies. What does it look like for us to push back on that? What has that looked like for you to push back on it? So I guess in terms of taking up space or speaking out, having very direct conversations um, with people, like stopping them when they're like, oh, like I need to do this for you. It's like, no, actually, this is how you can help me. Um, mm-hmm. And I've gotten better at asking for help because the the opposite side of that was I'm just going to do everything on my own because I don't need help from anybody because mm-hmm. I'm not a weak tiny person mm-hmm. um so the balance of that asking for help and also um being able to articulate like this is what i need from you and also this is why your behavior is problematic mm-hmm. um which is not uh, i try to be very intentional about like someone's behavior like talking about the behavior as opposed to like you're not a bad person for these things however the way that you're behaving is is harmful to me. How do people typically respond to that? Particularly um, men. They they're men are typically taken aback. Um, some are turned on, like ooh, like you're spicy, you're spicy, which is a whole other conversation. Right, that's another level of problematic. Yeah, um, or really just like wow, like some are are grateful, like hey, I wow I didn't I didn't know that like thank you for like telling me and in those conversations I feel more seen and more human um holistically Mm -hmm. um those are people who I continue to have in my life (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and then there's other people that are very aggressive um and you know just like agitated like my expression of of who I am is like an affront to them me mm-hmm. me um uh challenging them is is a threat and they mm-hmm. need to respond as such so they're mm-hmm. very defensive or aggressive um that doesn't feel very safe <laughs> no mm. not at all Devon I feel like I can identify with your experience of being hypersexualized yeah. um from childhood yeah. because of the curvaceousness of my body. I remember the first time that I was aware that I was a woman and that men would begin interacting with me based on their their ideas of my womanhood and what mm. they expect 
or think they deserve from me on my based on my womanhood. It happened when I was 12 as well. And I walked past some construction workers um, in my development. At the time, my development didn't have all of the houses built. There was still a lot of construction going on. Um, And these construction workers like yelled at me and gawked at me and like, um, like put their hands on their chest to like uh, indicate that I had breasts, like to reference my Mm. breasts. Um, And I remember telling my mom and her driving me up the street and telling me to point at who did it. And it was so embarrassing. It made me not want to tell her something like that again, because she had this like, um, rightfully so. She had this immediate response to it, but it was really, really embarrassing for me. So I'm wondering what pushing back looks like for you. Um, particularly when you've had these messages placed on you and I'm sure you've internalized it at this point, what does pushing back look like for you? It's weird because, um, I've had this conversation with people before about blackness, but not with the angle of my femininity or my sexuality being in question to use like kind of a silly example. Um, there's this stereotype around Black folks liking watermelon. And there's actually a lot of history behind why um, white folks have associated watermelon with Black people and with laziness. Um, and But my Black ass loves watermelon. And like, I don't It is mean, fucking delicious. It is fire. So my thing is, as a Black person, do I push back on that and say, well, no. I don't like watermelon. I prefer cantaloupe. No. Like, I like watermelon. And just because white supremacy has defined liking watermelon as a negative and a black trait doesn't change the fact that my taste buds do, you know, the jig when watermelon shows up to the party. Mm -hmm. Likewise, um, I have been hypersexualized, but the truth of the matter is, is I like sex. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth of the matter is, I like compliments from people, no matter what their sexuality or their gender is. Um, and so, when there's catcalling, as long as I don't feel unsafe as a full adult, because I don't know if I said this before, I'm 32 years old as of August 4th, 2020. Um, so I, as long as I feel safe. I don't have those same, like my, just the way my brain is set up, I don't have those issues. So pushing back to me um, looks a little bit different because a lot of the things that are stereotyped around fat, dark skin, black women's bodies, I don't, I don't always have a problem with. Like there's Mm. this, oh gosh, my mom listens to this podcast. I'm trying to be careful, but um, there are stereotypes around being a fat girl that I totally agree with. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm absolutely great in bed. You're you are correct, and you you actually don't deserve to be in my presence. Um, you know, so maybe that's the pushback. But also, when people, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Patronize. Not patronize. Fetishize? There it is. When you treat me like there's nothing more to me but my sexuality, then I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, when you treat me like I'm 
I'm worthless, then I have a problem because mm-hmm. I know what my worth is. So that's where the pushback comes in. When there are jokes that could be seen as harmful, one of the things I've started doing is asking people to explain the joke. Um, and even I if it's know not harmful, people be shooketh. They be shooketh. They, like you say to somebody, like, oh, yeah, you got them DSLs. Oh, yeah, okay. What does that mean? Oh, well, that means, you know, what it means. And I, oh, really? You know, you have large lips too, sir. You also, you too have DSLs. Um, and people's behavior as, as cis straight men, when you tell them they have um, lips that would be great for performing certain sexual acts, they, they get offended. You mm-hmm. tell people that, oh, you know, girl, you got some, you thick. I'm trying to hit. Oh, interesting. I'm shaped like your mother. <laughs> you know, like, I can say, <laughs> say things like, <laughs> say things like that because, yo, I'm more than just my sexuality. I'm more than right. just my body. Um, and if you feel like objectifying, well, then let's play it both ways. Let's go all the way there if that's what you feel like doing. Um, I'm also fucking brilliant. Um, I, I am, I am, I have, uh, what is it called? I'm introspective. I'm kind. I'm gentle. You're an introspective bitch. Yeah, I really am. Thank mm-hmm. you, sis. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm, I'm introspective and I'm, and I'm actually really good at taking critique. Like all these other things about me that, that build up my humanity and make me who I am. And the one thing you choose is that my booty is big. Cool. I mean, it is. These are facts. But like, and also shout out to all of us big booty girls on this, um, you know, shout out. Hey, y'all think y'all cute. But also shout out to us for being loving. Shout out, shout out to us for being kind. Shout out to us for like being responsive to the needs of the people that we're in community with. Yeah. That means more to me. So that's how I push back to answer your question. I push back by saying, cool, you see me sexually, you see me physically, but look at all these other things I offer that build up my humanity, that make me who I am. And if you can't acknowledge the fact that I would give my shirt off my back to somebody that I love, then and over, like you, you choose my body over all these other things, then you don't see me for who I am. And I really don't want you in my face. So can you please back up? Right. I mean, that's really- I feel like- as black women, the world interacts with us as if we're products all the Mm -hmm. time, right? Mm -hmm. And they expect, I keep using this word, I swear every episode, there's a word that I get fixated on, but they expect things from the product. And if the product doesn't give them what they want, they practically Yelp review us. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, Bethany, and my name is Bethany. I'm around a lot of white people all the time. You know, I'm a hooting good time or whatever. And white, I think so many white people expect me to coddle them and and like embrace them in my bosom. And and sometimes I'm not going to be gentle with you when you're violating, you know, white people. Men, sometimes I'm not going to be here for you know, trying to help you recognize your trauma and how the world has had expectations of you. And that's why, no, like sometimes I'm just going to be like, fuck out of here, dickhead. Like, I'm not trying to hear that. And when that happens, people get so angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Because it feels like to them, the product has malfunctioned. And it's not just in sexuality. And I think you made a good point when you talked about white folks. But it's also in the workforce. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is also in the church. Mm-hmm. It is also in families because people expect daughters to behave a certain way in the black family. Mm-hmm. People expect black women to behave a certain way in the workplace, mm-hmm. in the church, especially in the black church. There is a lot of desire for black women to uphold the black church, especially single black women. Um, you're not married and you're a black woman. So why are you not at the church house right now? I don't care what time it is. Why are you not there? Um, so there's just expectations around who we are. And, and that, that robs us of our humanity. Right? No, it absolutely does. It absolutely Humans does. get to be individuals and have individual experiences. But because the world sees us as simply a product, we totally get robbed of our individuality. Agreed. Rachel, I know you grew up in the Catholic church. What has been some of the messaging that you've gotten about being a woman and sex? Um, to be honest, I don't really know. Mm. Um, like Catholicism for me was just, it was something that I did like third generation. I was told to do it. I was told to, to kneel, to stand, to pray, um, to sing which Bible verse to read. It was just, it was, it was a routine. It was something that I did. It was something I was told to do. Um, so I didn't really question it. And maybe because I was younger, I also wasn't getting the, you know, like chastity, purity, um, preached to me as well. Um, mm-hmm. it was more the rituals that I remember and rituals in the, again, standing, praying, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, like sign of the cross, getting communion, those types of things are the things but that I really remember. Were in those rituals, were there was there any sort of messaging within those rituals about who you were as a woman or like who was in leadership in the church? You know what I mean? Whether it was overt or mm-hmm. existing on a in like an undercurrent. Men were men were in leadership, the the pastors, the the altar boys. Um women were in my experience, there was all they were always old old white women, um, nuns. Um so I definitely associated nuns with old being old. Um mm. so I saw Sister Act. <laughs> um, <laughs> people moving out, people moving in. Yes, here for it. But um but to me, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't think too much about that. My, my. I feel like more of my internalized uh, views on sex was much more sociocultural of like gender gender norms, just from the just from what I saw, like heteronormative. Like my parents are married. Um, you know, seeing Disney movies of like, ooh, the prince and the princess, so stuff like that. So to me, it was more of an experience of like gender expression. Um, I never wanted to wear dresses. I hated pink. She, we would like fight for like putting on a dress or like um, I. She tells a story all the time. She had to look for something with pockets. If it didn't have pockets, I didn't want it. Um, I was always like hanging out with the guys, playing outside. So my experience was much more um, about like gender expression um, in terms of the, the overt things that I remember. The, the parts about sexuality and, and um, attraction and, and sexual expression were much more 
they were much more over and and not really um, confined. Mm. So like I, I knew I liked boys because I had I had boyfriends in kindergarten who gave me their their graham crackers. But I also knew I wanted to catch <laughs> girls. Um, <laughs> graham crackers, <laughs> right? Yes. So you know, like, and I didn't know that wanting to kiss girls was good or bad. It was just, oh, I was one kiss girl, so I should be able to. No one told me that I should or I shouldn't. Mm. I thought it was interesting that you said that your experience with your mom was kind of like this sh- shaming, whether mm-hmm. she meant it to be shaming or not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been my general experience with my black ass body is mm-hmm. shame. And I've said this in a past episode, but like, always apologizing as soon as I enter the room has Mm. always kind of been the way I experience my black womanhood. Like not wanting to take up too much space, not wanting to ruffle too many feathers and like wanting to kind of just lay low and not really be noticed. But I think what has come from that for me is I don't really see or know myself that well. And it's very, it's a very interesting realization to have now, right? As to avoid shame, I've spent a lot of time performing what is acceptable to others. So the idea of bucking that is just really, I don't know, it's really interesting to me, you know? I think that really rests in... In that, because I, <laughs> I remember being like, okay, let me, let me make myself feel smaller. Let me take up less space. Let me wear black because I read somewhere that black is slimming. And like, let me read these articles that say, if you have this body type, then you need to wear these kinds of clothes because it will make you look smaller. And then I don't know exactly what it was I can't pinpoint an exact thing that where the shift happened, but it was over time. But I was like, actually, I look really great in yellow, and actually, I'm not look really good in yellow. Thank you. Yes. It's it's actually my color. Yeah. I look great in yellow. I don't have a problem wearing my arms out. Why should I be ashamed of wearing a bikini? Like this is just the body that I have. Who made the Who made the decision? that bodies that have stomachs that look this way are attractive and who made the decision that bodies that look this way are not attractive. And how did you get that message? Yeah, and what makes me think that my body's not attractive? Like Mm -hmm. why, and not just attractive, but like, it's not even about attraction. It's like, why should I feel shame around the way my body exists in the world? Like Mm -hmm. this is just the body I have. And even if I'm working right now, for that body to be smaller or for that body to be larger or more muscular or less muscular, whatever the case may be, why should I in this moment in time cover that up or feel shame or feel embarrassment um, because my skin is dark or because my stomach has rolls or I have stretch marks on my shoulders or whatever the case may be. Like, I just don't want to do that anymore. And I found that too when I was having sex with people and like, I don't want to have sex in the dark. I don't want to have to like be ashamed of the body I have. So if you don't like the way that I look fully, if you don't like me, then you don't get to share that part of me. Um, 
you know, if I don't, and, and I also learned like, if I don't like me, then maybe I don't need to share me with people right now. Maybe I need to take time to love on me and figure out what I like about me before anybody else gets access to that. And that includes, that's not just sexual. And I want to emphasize that that's also just like me. Like I don't, I shouldn't share my deepest, darkest secrets with people. I shouldn't even go over your house and kick it. If, if, if I feel shame in that space, like I don't ever want to feel like I'm not good enough. And for people who make me feel like I'm not good enough or situations that make me feel like I'm not good enough, I have to own part of that. But a lot of that is coming from someone else. And I'm not doing that anymore. I just made the decision. I'm not doing it. Why? The world is too dark and sad and hard for me to spend so much of my time just like beating myself up or like allowing someone else to beat me up because of the way I look. That's Mm -hmm. stupid. I have plenty of other things that you can critique um, without you critiquing the way that I look. Like, this is just who I am. I'm not going to stop being dark skinned. I'm not going to get rid of my natural hair. So with all that being said, if that's not who I am, then why am I, why bend over backwards and try to change things? Or like, why do the opposite and not bend over backwards and just let people hurt me just because it makes them feel good? Fuck you. No, no, thank you. No, thanks. Because, and this goes back to like the Jesus-y part of the podcast, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like I was made like this. Um, I was gifted with the gifts that I have. And if you can't handle that, that's about you. That's not about me. Mm-hmm. I am amazing. And if you make the option to not, re- if you choose the option of not recognizing how dope, how brilliant, how funny, how beautiful, how smart, how sensual, how, gosh, like I look, oh, girl, I love me. Like, I I don't know. This is a new thing. Bethany, you know me for a little while. I love who I am. That so there is, is no way in hell I'm about to sit here and be and be um, mistreated and abused by you because you don't see how fine I am. That's your problem. If you want mm-hmm. somebody who looks like Beyonce or Tracy Ellis Ross, I'm not the girl for you. Okay? Mm-hmm. We, got, we got Octavia Spencer... Um, uh, Viola Davis, Oprah Winfrey, rich, dark-skinned bitch vibes over here. And if you can't get with it, then it's, it's not for you. So just go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just mm-hmm. move around. Where do we feel like we got these messages that our bodies were shameful? Where did that come from? Start internalizing it from an early age. Mm-hmm. Like, like even, again, like the, the th- what wasn't said was still seen and and if we weren't so like I have I have long thick hair as part of my like description I have I have long thick hair and at times I've com- contemplated cutting it when I wash it um but in order I am my me- best Bethany with short <laughs> hair I am so fine with you say hair. that but this hair length that you've got and these curls you were posting on social media i was like yo she's fire yo (laughs) but when i have a short pixie i just think i am so fine i miss my pixie days go ahead sorry i had a moment (laughs) but so like to say that i have long thick hair um it's not just on my head like i'm i'm hairy hey for me, um, choosing to to take up space and and combat that 
is embracing that. Um, mm. And so, so two things. So when you ask, like, where did we get this? As a as a kiddo growing up in Detroit, I didn't see anybody who was hairy like me, mm-hmm. and I didn't, and no one celebrated that um, being hairy. Mm-hmm. the The first time I recall being celebrated for being hairy was um, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago, maybe like 2017, 2018, something like that. My my aunt was giving me a massage. She's a, a massage therapist. She she's a healer. She's amazing, and um, and I was telling her about. And so my my legs are hairy. My body's hairy, and she's giving me a massage. And and I was telling her about like eh, like I'm not I'm not dating anybody, but like I'm kind of like scared because like whoever I date like are they gonna like me like are they gonna like me and my hair? I don't think so. And and I think um, my ex I remember I would like not shave for like however many days or weeks or whatever. And I remember one time she was like, "Babe, can you do something about that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, ooh, like, okay, so this is, like, not good. And and so I remember telling my aunt, and she was like, whoever loves you, whoever you find, will love your hair. And it was so simple, but it was just like, oh, okay. One, if my aunt said it, then then it must be true. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she, she doesn't shave as well. She has hairy legs. Um, and I think the difference is being... Um, she's a dark-skinned woman, so, and partially, it was like, well, if she doesn't care, then it's, it must be okay, but also, it was like, but she doesn't look like me, um, she, I don't know if she would identify as, like, a plus-size woman, um, or, or a fat woman, but she, I would identify her as, like, a voluptuous woman, she's amazing, and sensual, like, anyway, this is my aunt. And so my... I never referred to any of my aunties as sensual or sexual. This I is... identify them as churchy. No, as deaconesses. My, my aunt is. But I would is... never call near one of them sensual. She is. She's amazing. But uh, or and that being said, again, she doesn't look like me. And when I say she doesn't look like me, um, um, I'm I don't know, like uh, caramel brown skin mm-hmm. um with like i guess divine help me out like yellow undertones you do have yellow yeah undertones. some golden undertones yeah okay so so that's me and so my hair being thick um i'm like well no one can see your hair as much um because your your, your skin is darker mm-hmm. but mine isn't so in my head it was like on one hand, I believe you, but on the other hand, like you can see this. Like <laughs> um, Rachel is lifting her leg up so that we can see her hairy legs right now for the audience. <laughs> um, thank you for the commentary. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so like I can see her legs, but I'm also close, like physically, like close to her in proximity. So, so it almost feels like her saying, "Somebody will love your hair." was for somebody else. Like, oh, you don't quite get it. It wasn't that you didn't get it. It's like, I, it was like, oh, wow, really? But then it was like, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how this turns out. And why, do you, why did you make the decision not to shave? I, 
all my life, <laughs> um, going back to the pockets, I have, I'm a very uh, practical person um, that I think I get from both of my parents. Um, and I also like being comfortable. I like being comfortable more than I like being, more than I like presenting as um, sexy. Mm-hmm. So the typical like heels, makeup, like high femme, mm-hmm. I'm much more, I'd much rather be comfortable. Now, my comfort may be sexy to someone, but that's not the, the intent. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that like practicality and comfortability, um, I was like, why am I shaving? Like it, like, it was like a, who, why am I shaving and who am I doing it for? Mm-hmm. I don't like doing this. This takes mm-hmm. too much time. Um, my legs, like my body doesn't feel good when I do it um, in terms of like, you know, like hair growing back and like whatever. And also like from a sexual standpoint, like the hair is meant to protect. Hair is meant to hold in smells. So my like wonderful juices this is getting be. to be such an explicit podcast. I did not. <laughs> no, no, not even. You have to delete that. <laughs> not even. Not no, no, no. I don't even mean like sexual, but like, like my my musk, my scent mm-hmm. gets lost when I don't have hair. And I like the way I smell. Mm-hmm. Um, like my natural me, I like that. I like all of the hair on me, and so it was like, well, then why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, and I mean, it did help that at this point I was single. So I had kind of flexibility necessary to not have a partner. Influencing the way you feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, um, so, so then when I started, you know, dating and things like that, um, I was like dipping my toe a little bit. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll just talk about my hair. But then, but I still wasn't quite comfortable because I, now I'm qualifying it. Just so you know, I have hairy legs. Right. Like, do, do what you want with that. Um, and then, then I got to a point, I was listening to a podcast about like being hairy in the summer or something like that. Um, and that was really helpful. And, and so I stopped qualifying. Um, and... And I felt more, more comfortable. And, um, and that was when remembering what my aunt said, is like, you know, whoever loves you next will love all of you and will mm-hmm. love, um, love your hair. And to me, that was, um, that was a, a, a affirmation that, well, if this person doesn't love my hair, then they're not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if, because if they don't love all of me, then they're not for me. And because this was such a big thing for me in terms of like body acceptance, um, that was like high on the list of like, you need to accept this early and often. Because <laughs> if not, then we don't have much to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's funny, as we've been talking, like I finally said something there. But as we've been talking and as it's gotten more like sexually explicit, I'm like, shit, the pastors are going to email me like, what are what are they going to think? I think about sex like there's all this anxiety and shame 
around talking about sex um, and the way we experience sex and sexuality as black women or just our bodies in general as black women. Um, And I don't necessarily know this is a very churchy thing to say, but I don't know if those feelings come from God. So what do we think God is saying to us about our bodies and about, you know, Jesus followers? I really feel like, like before you said what you're about to say, I, I was actually in my head thinking, like we talked about our bodies and it's, it's been in the context of sex where there's so many other things to talk about our bodies, like in a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think about is in the workspace back when outside was open, um, chairs not fitting my body. Um, and so my discomfort and shifting in my chair would be perceived as discomfort with the meeting or disagreement. When in reality, it's my thighs disagreeing with the chair that has these like, uh, you know, armrests that are really not built for my, for my big body. Um, so, so there's that. There are other things like in a church space, churches often ask you to hug your neighbor um, or touch your neighbor when such and such, you know. Um, and as a person who doesn't like hugs and also as a fluffy person that people assume I would like hugs because I'm an extrovert and I'm chunky, people want to touch my body, how difficult that is. And me balancing this idea, that scripture that talks about greet your, your brothers and sisters in Christ and your your uh, siblings in Christ with with a kiss, with a holy kiss which is interpreted these days to be, you know, a hug or a handshake. And that's something that I'm not comfortable with. Um, and so what does that say about me and my walk with Christ? And that's a, what to some people may be a simple scripture to abide by and a great one because, oh, yay, we get to be in community and, and touch and hug and love on people. But it's not something that I, I enjoy. So what does that mean about my walk? Um, I think the sexual nature of our conversation it speaks to the, the 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 generation that we're a part of and also probably just where we each are, where each of us are um, individually right now. Um, me coming into the, the owning that, um, you know, maybe there's asexual folks, but I, I may consider myself to be hypersexual um, and, and the struggle that goes along with that while still loving Jesus um, and, and working through what the church has taught me about sexuality and about my body. Um, has definitely been a struggle in the last you know few months. Um, but I will say it's hard, right? And I've had these discussions about being the sexual nature of of my humanity plus my choice to be a Christian. Like God created me. We we've been over this. God created me. He also created those desires. God is not a fool. God is the creator of the universe, like literally speaking things into existence. So God could have created my body and everybody else's body in a very different way. It could have been that on the night that I got married or the day I got married, then that's when all my sexual desires would erupt. But that's not the case. I am single. I am 32. And honestly, since I was 14, I've had strong sexual desires. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? What does it mean to, in my faith, when I have prayed, I said, God, please take this away from me. I said, please make me not like 
this. Please let me not enjoy sex. Please also, and I think another part that we need to talk about or that we could talk about as far as bodies and sexuality is molestation and sexual assault. Right. Um, you know, please let men not be attracted to me in such a way or not have a power struggle in such a way that they feel like they need to exact their power on my body. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've prayed these things and asked these things. And I think that those prayers of saying, I don't want to be harmed um, and the prayers of Lord bless me with a man um, who has a large penis. I think those are coming from the same place <laughs> that, you know, I, I just want I want what seems best to me. I want what's best for me. And God, give me what you see is best for me. Open up doors that I can walk through, that I can make the choice to walk through and choose these best things. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with anything we've said, but that's just, that might just be me. Um, and also, if... I don't think there's anything wrong with what we've said. I just know that well, so, I get emails from people. I also like to <laughs> So you can forward those to me, but as it's my hobby, um, it's what I do best. Mm-hmm. There's, if folks are uncomfortable, if are uncomfortable by, by this conversation, let's have more conversation. Like, there's learning mm-hmm. in discomfort. Whatever's coming up for you, let's talk about it. Um, if what's coming up for you is no, 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 shh, don't, don't, don't do that. Is shame. I need to shame you into doing less of what you're doing. We need to seriously address that because that's not of God. Mm, mm-hmm. What does that look like in the church though? Because like the messaging, the messaging that I've gotten all my life is that you should save yourself until marriage. That's what God wants. And any, it's almost like um, the natural human desire for sex is sin, is inherently sinful. And it's like, I don't necessarily feel that way, right? But there's so many people that have pushed that message and like, that is so what is perceived. How do we have that conversation? I think it's more, to me, it's more about, and I think we've talked about this in terms of like discipline. Um, I think the challenge Mm -hmm. with anything that feels good, tastes good, there's the there's a higher probability that you could do it to excess. Mm-hmm. And so if if I'm being not even sexual with somebody, but if I'm flirting with someone and and I'm enjoying it and the feedback that I'm getting from this person isn't like stop that they're also enjoying it like we're you know this banter back and forth this is playful then i'm i'm not receiving that message that i need to stop so i might do more of it it feels good and if and i feel like if as as christians we've been taught very early on like the opposite we've been taught very early on shame you know hiding it don't do it um only do it under these circumstances and, and I think you said it, maybe Beth, um, or I'm sure somebody said it, but if it, if it, like, if it wasn't like good or, or wasn't pleasurable or whatever, like, no, it, it wouldn't be this much conversation about like not doing it. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I can't believe that it's, it's like this all encompassing, like bad, sinful thing. 
Um, I think if we if we're doing it into excess, we're not disciplined. That's when we lose our our relationship and our connection. Not lose, but our yeah. It's it's easier. It's, it's harder to hear God. Um, it's harder to have that relationship mm-hmm. when I'm putting my pleasure, sexual, food, money, whatever that is whatever it is that gives me pleasure, if I'm putting that before my relationship with God, because ultimately that's what God wants is a relationship with us. That's what Jesus wants with us. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is sent to be a friend. Um, this is all about relating in relationships that like our humanness is, our sexuality is a part of being human. So that's a part of our, our relating. Mm-hmm. That's, how we were made and mm-hmm. if I'm doing it in excess um, and again in excess to me may not be excess to somebody else it's about my relationship with with God and if I know that I'm distracted and and I can't hear you see you connect with you through other people then that's a com- that's a that's a individual like conversation that I need to have in community but like that's like my um that's my individual relationship but knowing that like I need to be in community Mm -hmm. with others to help me see that and also help me discern um this walk I guess um but that doesn't mean that I need to judge you know you or Devon about your relationship like even even just you know culturally like oh how many people have you slept with um like okay so that because that whole question isn't about how many people you slept with it's how many more than me and based on that based on that number i'm gonna i'm gonna decide whether or not you're good or bad or 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 how valuable you are so yeah, even so, even the idea of excess, you know, like my excess is not your excess. So, mm-hmm. but if I'm doing it in excess and not, um, and, and that's distancing myself from my relationship with, with Christ and my relation, even my relationship with like how, if that's affecting how I'm relating to others who, other Jesus followers, other um, folks who love me, um, that's also something to consider, um, the communal part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's important. And I don't think shaming and, um, you know, bashing and this is a sin, all of that, that's, that's hateful and fear-based. And I don't think that that's of God. Um, and, and Mm -hmm. yeah, so if this is making folks uncomfortable, I think that it's, it's, it just shows that there's more conversation that needs to happen um, often. I think too that like, because I think that your original, like what you were saying was like, what is Jesus telling us about this? Um, one of the things that I think of when I think of what what God and what Jesus as my, my co-laborer wants for me is like, I don't want you to be in constant pain I don't want you to question my love for you. 
And so there are certain situations where it puts me in a position to be more likely to be in pain and more likely to be in unnecessary pain and to question my relationship and my love and with God. Um, and so I, I can, I can say, you know, and Beth, you really actually helped me shape my opinion about this. Um, cause I, I remember as a kid, true, the true love weights movement, um, you know, uh, what was that? Um, there was a woman who came and spoke to us and she was like, you know, no ringy, no thingy. Um, what was the other thing that was said? I had a shirt when I was in middle school that said, I'm a virgin and I'm proud of it. All of that around that and that purity culture um, when actually, cause like seeing it like the purity culture and like keeping yourself pure and looking as, especially as women and women with, with bodies with like breasts and booty and hips and all of that kind of stuff, um, and full lips, um, men saying that you're the distraction mm-hmm. when the scriptures actually say when a woman, like her body is tempting to you, you're supposed to gouge your eyes out. Like, it's not placed on my body. It's not placed on me. So I think some of the things that Jesus is telling me is like, take responsibility for your own feelings and your own desires and, you know, your own behavior. And and don't get involved in, in things with people that are just going to cause you unnecessary pain. Um, and for me, that's really hard because I have that people pleaser uh DNA. Uh, so I have this desire to like, oh, he, a man, you know, or a person wants something from me. Let me do that because I just want to, you know, I just want to throw that love on them. Um, what that's also been teaching me as I've been in therapy and correcting that behavior is that um, that's actually not what love looks like. And that's not how God shows me love. And that's not what, that, what you said, Rachel, that's not actual relationship. That's, I mean, it's a type of relationship, but it's not mutual. It's a type of parasitic relationship. And God wants more from me than me mm-hmm. being a host for a parasite. So I think part of the desire that God has for me, for all of us, is that we're in true mutual relationship with people. And then it's actually loving. And that it's not just something that is like a relationship of convenience or a parasitic relationship. I don't think mm-hmm. that that's the best that God has for me. And so mm-hmm. that that's what keeps me now from sleeping with like whoever, you know, looks good. It's like, well, is this going to be a true relationship or is this just going to be, um, you know, something good for them or vice versa, something good for me and bad for that person? Like God wouldn't have me to be be a parasite either. Um, and so I, I just think that we're called to like treat each other with actual love and be in, in mutual relationship with folks um, instead of these transactional relationships or, um, you know, parasitic relationships. I think not just us three, but like all of us in the world, we deserve healthy, loving relationships. And, and um, sometimes um, uh, there are certain types of relationships or certain type of ways we interact with people that can get in the way of that. Um, and so I'm just right now in my life, I'm seeking out non-harmful relationships. So again, at P-A-R-H-O-G-O-N-2-2, if you're trying to change me from being single to being mingled, I'm good with it. But don't come to me with none of that crazy foolishness because I'm not, 
I'm not getting in these. What are they called, Rachel? You know all the science words. This is I can't have a codependency. Uh, I don't think that that's what the Lord is looking for for my life. I am not called to a codependent um, relationship uh, or abuse. So otherwise, holla at you, girl. That's it. it also it also makes me think about like healing from trauma. So like we've been harmed by um, by our are you know religious figures and, and parents and folks who were supposed to t- take care of us and protect us and I think um, talking about the trauma that the church has caused um, and yeah like giving space for that um, because there's healing that needs to be done um, as one of our, our cellmates would say um, a lot of that's it's bad theology and and we're human so we've we've placed these expectations and these these rules and these um these norms onto each other and it's caused a lot of harm and um and unfortunately because of that we've gotten away from what like god really calls us to do which is to love to love each other and to be in relationship with each other and so we would need to heal from the trauma that's been caused in order to, to really get back to, to doing that. And I think having conversations like what we're having is a good way to start healing from that trauma and to recognize that we're not in, we're not in this alone, right? There are other people that have the same experiences as us. There are other people that are wrestling with the question of our sexuality and singleness. Um, So I think this was a really good conversation. We need to have more conversations about experiencing the world as black women. But, you know, this one I think is really heavy on our hearts because we have had the conversations of about being single in this time during the pandemic and loneliness. So, yeah, I thought we'd bless the world with talking a little deeper about our, our experiences. So we typically end the podcast by talking about the things that we're into. Um, So Rachel, you want to go first? What are you into Um, this week? I am into Legend of Korra. And um, nice. Yeah, I I started it when I was younger. And um, I don't know, you know, it came, Avatar came on Netflix. And then I finished that. And then Legend of Korra came on. And I was like, you stopped this, but you don't remember why. And so now I'm I'm back into it. I'm enjoying it. And I'm also, I tend to be more into like R&B, um, dan- like in, in music I can dance to. Um, but my, my partner has gotten me, <laughs> got me more into like trap music, but I'm like enjoying it. <laughs> um, no, but like, so I've been listening to that more. Um, so, yeah, their favorite mumble rapper is, is, is like, decent. Mm. Nice. Devon, what about you? Um, this week, I'm into a book um, called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Mm. Um, the first chapter is, is titled White People Are Exhausting. 
So um, Austin- I'm that on Audible right now. Yeah, Austin Channing Brown is the author, Black Woman, um, amazing, uh, get into that. Also, um, similarly to Rachel um, on the music front, I am really into battle rap right now, especially battle rappers who live in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> really into New Jersey twerk right now. Like I'm a huge fan of New Jersey twerk. Um, he's amazing. Um, last I heard he was in the hospital. So I am praying for you, my love. Uh, but yeah, I'm really into battle rappers. So URL, um, RBE, uh, those are some different battle rap leagues. I'm really into that. Um, also into black owned bookstores, Fulton street books here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, was in the New York Times and the New Yorker uh, this past week, I think. So um, that's where I bought the book, I'm Still Here, um, as well as a book called This Bridge Called My Back. Um, really into books by Black women right now. I, I really need to tap into that because I just feel like I've been failed by literally um, everyone else except New Jersey twerk um, and, and Black women. So I've been, that's where I've been right now. That's what I'm into. Nice. And I am into a really um, beautiful, I think you could call it a Negro spiritual. Uh, it is called WAP by Cardi B. Yes. And uh, Megan B. Stallion. Um, yeah. I'm most into that song because it reminds me of the good prophets, uh, Kaya and Trina yes. from the early 2000s. Great. They were really sex positive um, black female rappers that were also really talented on the mic. Um, so WAP is quite reminiscent of, um, yeah, that moment in time. Um, and I just really appreciate, I've mentioned um, City Girls and Megan Thee Stallion, and I think Cardi B before, for being really awesome, sex positive, um, black female rappers. I've mentioned that before. Um, and I really think they did their their thing on the song WAP. Um, and white people have been up at, a lot of people have been up in arms, but it cracks me up that like white politicians had commentary on WAP, <laughs> probably because they heard it on TikTok or something like no, that. So yeah. that's what I'm into. I'm also into pumpkin spice lattes, y'all. Come through, come through. Say louder for the people in the back, Bethany. I don't know okay. if you can hear, get into the mic. A good pumpkin spice latte. Yes. Um. Yeah, our season has arrived and I'm super excited for it. So- that's the special Black Girl Podcast. I am so happy that you guys yeah. agreed to talk to me about being Black women and how we're experiencing sex and sexuality in the church. And we have more conversations to be talking about um, in regards to being Black women in the world. So special thanks to our communications manager, Luke Bartolomeo. Jared Selby does our theme song. One day, Joe Mahoney, we plan on thanking you again. Hopefully when the world opens back up, we can get back in the studio. Um, so with that being said, if you have any questions, any comments, anything like that, and you wanna get in contact with us, email us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com. And with that, we have three Black yes. Little Mermaids here. Yeah. And we will definitely be yes. staying yes. black. Black. Yeah. Stay black, yeah. little mermaid.